If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast, episode number 288. Chances are, if you're in the online business space, you've heard of B-School and its incredible creator, Marie Forleo. Over 50,000 students have learned effective online marketing strategies from Marie's B-School and thousands more tune into her online series, Marie TV, for training in business and mindset and so much more. Now, I can't predict the future, but I will bet that when her new book, Everything is Figureoutable, is released, it'll be sitting at the top of the list as the go-to book for entrepreneurs who desire to build a business and a life that they love or really anyone who has a goal, personal, business, or otherwise, and needs a guidance to reach that goal swiftly and with intention, everything is figureoutable. It's for you. AKA guys, it's for all of us. Now the title was inspired by her industrious, resourceful mother. We all love a good mom. And the content of this book was pulled from years of coaching others, but also her personal journey to owning the multi-passionate entrepreneur title and navigating her dreams, all of them, before she was ready. That's what we're talking about today in this interview. And there's so much more we cover, but we're talking about how to start before you are ready and how to even figure out what it is that you should start and, and what it looks like to show up in the world and to experience the things that you're asking yourself, what if? Now, this conversation is anything but the same goal-setting fluff and tired motivational quotes. Marie and I walk through actionable steps to place you at the starting line, poised to make your big dream happen once and for all. This episode is a game changer. Let's get started. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Okay, Marie, it is about time. I mean, 
Can I be honest that when I started my podcast two years ago and I wrote a dream list, your name was on it. And so I feel like this is a dream coming true, which is the cheesiest way to start a podcast. Oh, no, it's the best (laughs) way ever. Are you kidding me? I'm like the queen of cheese. And thank you for that. Um, Congratulations on everything that you're doing and all the people you're helping. And honestly, I'm just so excited to finally get a chance to talk and to be with you today. Oh, I'm so excited. The best thing is, is that like people get to listen in on this. So it's really just a girl conversation shared with the world, which is exactly what you and I love to do. So let's dive on in. Now, I feel like you need no introduction, but I feel like let's do it. Like, give me Marie Forleo at a glimpse. Yes. Well, you know, we'll take it back for anyone listening. If we've never met before, I like going back to the old days of when I popped out of college and was super excited about doing something I was hoping was going to be meaningful in the world. And (laughs) that would allow me freedom and to build financial freedom and all those things I think many of us dream of. And I found myself on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange at Wall Street. And I was super excited, Jenna, because I'm a person who has a lot of energy and there is literally no physical seats on the floor. They have these things that kind of (laughs) pop out from the wall. They're like fold-up seats, but there's no real seats. And I was pumped to be there. I was grateful to be there. I grew up in a working class family. I'm the first person in my family to ever go to college. That was a really big deal. And to have this job on Wall Street was like, yay, I'm proud. I have a steady paycheck. I have health benefits. Like, this is good. And I'm not going to lie. I was always someone who was very ambitious. I experienced a lot of pain in my childhood, specifically around money. And I saw how much pain the lack of it caused. And I saw my mom go through so much feeling so powerless around money. And you know, quite frankly, I saw that in many moms and adult women when I was growing up. And so I had made a pact to myself that when I became an adult, I wanted to do whatever was possible to earn a lot of money. Not because I care about nice shoes or a lot of materialism. That's really, that's not my thing in life. I love experiences. And I also love taking care of people. Like it's part of my nature. And I wanted to be able to take care of others. So at this Wall Street job, guys around me were earning like a bajillion dollars a year, more money than I could have ever conceived of growing up. Yet there was a big problem. Most of them, while they seemed rich and successful and powerful on the outside, seemed spiritually bankrupt. One way I could see that was they used to pine for these like two weeks of vacation that they had every year that that was the only thing they had to look forward to. And then, of course, the lifestyle of Wall Street was very typical of what we see, you know, back in the 90s, which was, you know, the bell rings at 4 p.m., you hit a strip club, you do lines of Coke. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so not me. Plus it was 99.9% men. Gender inequality and the gender imbalance was insane. I was trying so hard to be taken seriously. I've always had very long hair, but on Wall Street, I actually had a pixie cut. I cut off all my hair in an effort to be taken seriously because I just wanted to find my spot in this world. So cut to six months into that job, I started hearing this little still small voice inside that was like, Marie, this isn't where you're supposed to be. This isn't what you're meant to do. You need to get out of here. And that was hard to hear because that little voice was not telling me what else I was supposed to do instead. (laughs) Dang it. Dang it. (laughs) Right? And so it kept getting, I tried to ignore it because again, it felt wildly irresponsible. I, I don't, again, come from a wealthy family. I didn't have a trust fund. I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt after college. So like quitting a steady job without having a backup plan seemed insane, right? Not what I was gonna do. But got to the point where I could no longer ignore that voice. And one day on the floor, 
I had what I can only describe to be somewhat of a mild panic attack. You know, I'm walking around, I started getting dizzy, I had trouble breathing, I felt like really nauseated, like I was going to throw up. And I told my boss, I was like, hey, I really need to get out and go grab a cup of coffee. Instead of getting the caffeine, I made a beeline to the nearest church. I had grown up in a Catholic household and I went to a Catholic university. So I was kind of trained to, in a crisis, ask God for help, (laughs) some kind of guidance. So I'm sitting on the steps of Trinity Church, bawling my eyes out and my little kind of, you know, they give you these like dark blue blazers that you wear in the floor of the exchange, mascaras running down my face. And the first sign I got was to call my dad, which made sense because I was so just, I felt so guilty to be honest with you, because I knew how much he busted his ass to put me through school that I didn't want to be a disappointment. So I opened my flip phone, if anyone remembers those, called my pops and was just bawling my face out. And when I finally took a breath to catch my breath, he interrupted and he said, Ray, calm down. You're fine. He's like, you've worked since you were nine years old. I am not worried about you keeping a roof over your head or paying your bills. Look, You're going to work for the next 40 or 50 years of your life. You have got to find something you love. And if this isn't it, and you're getting yourself this sick and this upset, then you got to quit and you got to do whatever it takes to find something you love and don't stop looking until you find it. And so Jenna, that was kind of my first permission slip to get the F out of there. Yeah, but you know, I honestly had no clue how to find something I loved. And there was even a skeptical part of my brain that was like, what does that mean? But yeah. somewhere deep in my soul, I knew it was right. So I went on a bit of an odyssey to try and find out who I was. And I, my only clues were that I loved creativity. I was highly creative. I thought I was going to be either an animator for Disney or a painter or a fashion designer. And I loved business and marketing. My dad was an entrepreneur and a small business owner, and I got to see him operate his small printing business growing up. So I thought magazine publishing might be the place for me, right? There's like the editorial side and there's the ad side, commerce, business, art, all of it. And so I got a job at Gourmet Magazine in their ad sales department. I was like, okay, this is going to be it. This is going to be awesome, right? Now, in terms of the landscape, there was many more women. My boss was a woman. The publisher of the magazine was a woman. They were all amazing. I'm like, this is wonderful. I love to eat. It was gourmet. My my little cubicle was next to the test kitchen. So the chefs would be like, hey, we're trying out this new recipe. Do you want to yes. taste? That's right. I was like, <laughs> who has two thumbs? In? Like, like this one, like right here, please bring me the snacks. But the same thing happened about six months in, I started hearing that voice, Jenna. Mm, This isn't it. That dang voice, right? Yes. (laughs) This isn't who you're supposed to be. And then I started to really feel a sense of panic because I watched my peer group around me. They were all starting to get promotions. They were all kind of getting this foothold in their life. And here I was wanting to quit my job again. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, well, okay, Wall Street was very numbers focused. The ad sales side of a magazine is very numbers focused. Maybe I have gone too far on that side. Maybe I need to really strengthen my creativity. What if I'm supposed to be on the editorial side? So I hustled my buns off. I got a position as a fashion assistant at Mademoiselle. And I was like, okay, this has got to be it. Going on photo shoots, fashion shows, seeing the newest product lines, you know, working with layouts, like all these highly creative things. And wouldn't you know it, 
six months in, same thing started (laughs) happening again. And I have to be honest here because I started to feel really broken. You know, I had graduated the valedictorian of my class and I'm a very hard worker and I couldn't square. How can I be this committed to doing really good work and this freaking clueless about who I am in this world? Like, why does nothing fit? And so when I was at that job, I was on the internet one day, probably when I shouldn't have been, and I stumbled upon what was a new profession at the time. Now you got to get guys, this is 1999, (laughs) like 1999. And it was talking about this new profession called coaching, which at that point, no one had ever heard of before. Jenna, when I read this article about people that had these coaching businesses about how it was so focused on co-creating strategies with people. It was very positive. It was very forward moving. It sounded really exciting. It was as though something inside of my heart broke open. It was like the clouds parted and little cherubs were singing like, (laughs) oh, and little sunbeams were like shooting out of their eyes right into my heart. And something about it just felt so right. However, my very critical mind immediately stepped in. Who do you think you are? Who the hell is going to hire a 23-year-old life coach? You haven't even lived life yet. You can't even keep a job for more than six months. You're $10,000 in debt. You have nothing to offer anyone. This is nuts. This is crazy. And by the way, how cheesy is the term life coach? (laughs) So (laughs) that's where I was. But I couldn't deny that this was the rightest thing I'd ever felt in terms of a calling. And so I signed up for a three-year coach training program with Coach University. And I continued to work at the magazine during the day. Again, that was my paycheck. That's how things went. Fast forward a few months, I get a call from the HR department at Condé Nast Publications. They had a promotion for me. It was an opportunity at Vogue. More money, a lot more prestige, a stand on the steady paycheck health benefits train. And that, Jenna, was my fork in the road. You know, do I stay on the safe path or do I do this weird ass thing called life coaching, which no one has ever heard of? I think is cheesy as hell, but sounds amazing. (laughs) And so I quit my job and I went back to bartending and waiting tables and decided to start my business at 23. (sighs) Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So what has happened since 23? Because <laughs> a lot has happened. And I'm just giggling as you're talking because I feel like Every listener can relate to these voices. The one that is like, who do you think you are? And the one that is like, you were made for this. And I yes. feel like it's just this constant conversation in our heads. And if if the world saw the conversations we were having in our heads, we would look like psychopaths. But yes. I need to know <laughs> what happened after the age of 23, because 23 was when I started everything as well. Yes. So, you know, it was really bumbly and it was not instant success. It was really hard. Again, I was making my full living bartending and waiting tables and doing every odd job under the sun that I possibly could, including cleaning people's toilets, being a personal assistant. You know, those first few years, I was just working with anyone that I could coach for free because I was working on building my skill set. I wanted to know and prove to myself and to other humans that I could actually provide value and help them them get results. So those first few years, man, I was so bumbly. I was terrified. I didn't know what the hell was going on. This was the beginning of digital media, by the way. So I started an online newsletter back in the day when people were like, what the hell is that? <laughs> My bartending clients, I'd be like making the best martini ever, like so dirty, dirty, dirty. And they're like, so what else do you do? And I'm like, well, what I happen to have this. <laughs> yes, with my yellow legal pad and had them legitimately write down their name and email address. And you know, back in those days, it, that was still legal. There was not the anti-cam scam laws. But that's how it went. And for the first seven years of my business, Jenna, and I want everyone to hear this, I was I had so many plates spinning in the air. You know, about three or four years in, I started getting serious about my passion about dance and fitness. I started teaching dance. I started creating dance videos. I started teaching dance workshops. Eventually, that turned into me working for MTV, choreographing commercials, becoming one of the world's first Nike dance athletes. So I was simultaneously, you know, now what I call myself as a multi-passionate entrepreneur. That was a very hard term to come to because I tortured myself a lot before <laughs> that. We'll get there. But the first seven years looked just like that, like working pretty much seven days a week, not something I recommend, but sometimes we have to do what we have to do. And that's just where we are in life. 
It looked like a lot of insecurity and it looked just like me doing everything in my power to figure out this new world. You know, how do I build a business from the ground up? How do I kind of navigate feeling so incredibly insecure about my young age? not feeling like I had any value to offer to anyone or that anyone would take me seriously. And then just navigating the realities of like keeping roof over your head, getting out of debt, you know, figuring out how to actually start and grow a business that's profitable. That's what those first years look like. Well, let's talk about figuring things out (laughs) because you have a new book coming out, which I'm so excited about. And One of the things that we preach on this show, and and I just truly believe at the core of my being, is that imperfect action makes things happen. Like, to me, forward is forward. And I think a lot of times we look at people like you, Marie, where we're like, she's got this all figured out. Like, she knows what foot to place where and, and how to put that foot in front of the other. But you really talk about starting before we are ready. And I feel like in every season of your life and your career, you have started before you knew what that next step was. Talk to me about what that looks like, because I feel like anyone listening, they're like, oh, wow, that all sounds amazing. But like, I'm not ready for that. Or I don't know what's next. Or I didn't have the cherubs singing hallelujah in my ear, walking (laughs) through, figuring this out. Yeah. So, okay. Book, Everything is Figure Outable, How One Simple Belief Can Help Us Change Our Lives and the World. And so one of the things that helps all of us figure things out is adhering to this mantra to start before you're ready. What I've noticed over the years, Jenna, is what holds many of us back, and this has held me back many times too, is this nasty little lie that we can believe like, oh, I'm not ready for that yet. Oh, I'm not ready yet. I'll tell you actually a perfect example that we don't talk about in the book. I remember it was back in like 2009, right? So this is probably a little under a decade of being in business. And I got this opportunity, a very big person in our industry called upon me and said, I want to interview you. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, I'm not ready yet. And then I said, actually, you need to go and do this. There have been so many times in my career, Jenna, when the voice in my head says, no, you're not ready for this yet. You're not experienced enough. You're not qualified enough. You know, the website isn't together enough, all these different things. And I will tell you what has made the most enormous difference in my career in terms of my own learning and growth and the actual achievement, like the physical markers of success in terms of being able to hire team members or revenue or profit, you know, like go down the line. It has been adhering to this notion of starting before you feel ready. And here's why this is awesome. I feel like we all learn best, not theoretically, not conceptually, but when we are in action, when we're actually kind of thrown into the fire. You know, there was a great example of this that we do talk about in the book where I was very green in the dance world. I'd never taken a formal dance class in my entire life. So I had zero training, zero technique. And I just decided I was going to start at 25, which is kind of nuts because in the professional dance world, you're practically a grandma. Very sad to say, but that's just the reality. And it was soon after I started teaching my first hip hop dance class, which was at Crunch Fitness, not even at a professional dance studio again, dance fitness, which I love and is amazing. And in one of those classes, it happened to be that a producer from MTV was a student and she came up to me 
after class and she said, you know, you're really good. And we have an opening for a choreographer slash producer on this new show we're doing. I would love you to come in and audition for my boss. And Jenna, this was like <laughs> legitimately my second solo class on my own. And so every voice in my head was like, are you kidding me? You're not ready for this. You know nothing. I was operating on pure passion and enthusiasm, absolutely zero experience in technique. And I still showed up for that interview and I wanted to hurl in the wastebasket in Times Square. Like I was so nervous and so insecure, but I made myself do it because I knew that even the experience of auditioning in and of itself would be cool, but on the slim chance that I got it, my learning curve would skyrocket. I'd be able to advance in terms of my ability. You know, I could learn in three months what might have taken me three years otherwise, and I didn't have three years. So this notion of starting before we're ready, I think it can never, ever, ever steer you wrong, ever. When you're talking, and I want to know if it's the same for you, but if if we go back to the whole like voices in our head, which we've confirmed, yeah. we've got them. I feel yes. like the louder one is the one saying, nope, you're not ready. You're not qualified. Are you crazy? Who do you think you are? And there's that little tiny whisper like you've talked about that you've had in your life that says, but what if? Or what if you did this? What if you tried? What if it happened? What if you were successful? And I feel like successful people, specifically women, are the ones that are in tune with that whisper, that know how to block out that loud, screaming, make the most noise voice. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I think it's a skill that anyone can learn, Mm -hmm. develop, become better at. So one of the distinctions for me in terms of that still small voice inside is it's not frenetic. It doesn't speak or scream really. Like there may be a pull forward or there may be a lot of excitement or it may be like a Marie Kondo, like this thing definitely sparks joy. (laughs) But it's not like the fearful, frenetic, crazy, fast talking, you know, mean voice that is the other side. That's really like, you know, the insecure us talking. I find that the still small voice inside is very calm. It's very, there's a lot of certitude. It's just this presence that stays consistent. There's almost a calming nature to it, even when it's excited. And so I think that can be, you know, one of those ways we can begin to tease out. And if you want, we can also talk about the difference between fear and intuition, because I think that's a really important test because a lot of people have asked me throughout the years, well, how do I know if like, this is my fear talking, which is like healthy fear that I need to move through, or my intuition is saying, don't do this because you're going to regret it down the line. Do you want to go into that? Please. Yes. Okay. This is a really simple test. It has never steered me wrong. Anyone I've taught this to has come back and be like, oh my goodness, I used this like five times last week. So this is something that anyone listening can do whenever you're faced with an opportunity and you're not sure which way to go. You're having trouble deciphering and discerning between, again, healthy fear to move through or your intuition saying like, step away from this. This is not for you. So here's what you do. You think about this particular opportunity, whatever you're considering saying yes to. It could be a speaking engagement. It could be a business partnership. It could be a new product you want to roll out. It doesn't matter. 
you ask yourself this question, and I want everyone to do it when you're when your eyes are closed, and ideally when you don't have technology around or any other people around. If you need to even go sit in your bathroom for a moment or in the shower or whatever, just to have a, a little moment of solitude, please do so. So you close your eyes, you get centered, tap inside, and you ask yourself, does saying yes to this make me feel expansive or contracted? And in the nanosecond after you ask yourself that question about a very specific opportunity, I guarantee this, you will have a visceral sensational body reaction, not thoughts. I'm talking inner sensation. So expansive may feel like your chest is lighter, your shoulders are lifting up and back, your physical body may be even moving forward in space. Perhaps you just feel a sense of wanting to take a big breath. Even if something about it feels intimidating, your body is saying, yes, it feels expansive. It feels forward moving. Contracted on the other hand, when you sense that, it's almost as if you feel a pit in your stomach or a sense of dread, or if your eyes are closed, just something in your whole body is pulling back in space or down, your shoulders are hunching forward, or your head might even be shaking like just no, no, no. That is how your intuition speaks. That is how you know for sure whether or not you should move ahead with this thing or you shouldn't. And here's where the distinction really comes in. It's important, Jenna. This is often so crucial when you have an opportunity on the line that your ego thinks is going to help you get ahead. When your ego says, well, everyone else is doing this, or I should be grateful to have this opportunity, or this is going to give me an edge over so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so, or look at the money on the line here. I'd be silly not to say this to this. But if something in you is starting to pull back, you have got to trust that. That is so powerful. And as you're even just describing that, I feel like my body language is just following your voice as you're like, this is expansive. This is contractive. That's amazing. And I feel like what a beautiful tool because I I feel like over the years I've honed in on my intuition, but man, it's like flexing a muscle. Like it takes time. And practice. And yes. for anyone listening that feels like, I don't know if I have intuition. Yeah. I've actually had people write to me to say, you know, I'm very analytical. I'm in a scientific field or, you know, they've had training that has strengthened their rational, logical mind. And so they're just out of practice or out of touch. Yeah. Here's what I would offer. Look back in your past. Look back at the areas, the decisions, the opportunities where you felt like, you know what? I didn't make the smartest choice where there was some pain involved. Now ask yourself this. Were there signals that you overrode? Were there little red flags that you chose to barrel through because you thought your head knew better or your logic knew better or your ego wanted to get ahead? Those are often great signs in retrospect that, yes, I actually do have intuition. Oh, that's what it sounded like. I kept getting these pictures or having these dreams, or I kept just having this nagging sense in me that something wasn't right, but I just chose to ignore it. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. 
Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So good. So one thing that I think is so like we're so connected in this way and so many entrepreneurs are this way is like we're multi-passionate. Like when you're describing all the things you are doing from dancing to coaching to bartending to growing an email, it's like all of the ways that you are serving the world. I feel like so many people can relate because entrepreneurs were passionate, we're excited. Like if we weren't those things, we wouldn't be successful. But I want to know like how do you focus in on one thing? Like, what are the steps you take? One of the things that me and my team loved about your book is a wouldn't it be cool prompt? Like, what is that? And how does it work? Because I think it's brilliant. Yes. So the wouldn't it be cool if prompt is something that we talk about in the define your dream chapter, which is a great chapter for getting very honed in on getting very focused on what is the one thing that you want to figure out, either a pain point or a problem that hasn't left you alone in you know weeks, months, or years, or a big dream that you're like, oh my goodness, I can figure this out, but we have to narrow it down and make it really specific so we can. The wouldn't it be cool if prompt is a great exercise to do anytime you feel a little bit rusty in terms of your ability to generate awesome ideas, creative brainstorms, ways to move something ahead, or Jenna, in terms of your desire to have something really innovative and breakthrough that no one has ever seen before. So in terms of choosing one thing to focus on, we can totally talk about that if you wish, but that wouldn't it be cool if prompt I find is a way to almost resuscitate our soul's dreams when you have been so conditioned by the outside world to live up to societies, familials, or even your own outdated expectations of who you should be and how you should be in the world. That wouldn't it be cool if prompt helped us the first time create a campaign that was called the live your dream campaign. This is probably five or six years ago by now. It was when B-School was, again, we were probably five or six years into B-School at that point, And we had so many incredible success stories. And one day we were, um, my team was a lot smaller than we we're sitting around in our living room, like sitting on the floor and brainstorming just all these different ideas about the program. And we used the prompt, wouldn't it be cool if, and we were all throwing ideas out and I call it like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what yes. sticks. No idea is bad right? We're just like going wild with our dreams. And one of them was like, wouldn't it be cool if we sent a film crew around the world to capture the stories of our B-schoolers to show how starting and growing a profitable business totally transformed their lives. And like all of us, it was like, basically, you know, forks dropped and our chins were on the floor (laughs) and we all had goosebumps and we're like that, like, can we do that? And again, when you go back five or six years, like people tell stories all the time in video right now, but our media wasn't quite at a place where it is today. And so it was pretty awesome and we did it. So that prompt I think is just genius, whether it's used in your team or used by you personally to excavate what would be the most exciting, playful and fun thing to focus on. Now, to your question, how do I slash we decide what to focus on? There are definite criteria in the book that help, like rating it on a scale of, you know, are you ready to tackle this right now? Meaning like you want to get started on this this year. How difficult is this going to be? You know, what's the why 
behind tackling this, this particular problem or this particular dream? What are all the reasons that are going to fuel you ahead when you hit obstacles? Because you will hit many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to hit tons. But I think one of the other things I would share with your listeners, because there's so many creatives listening to this right now, is another mantra that has served my business so well. And again, I've been doing this for two decades now. It's simplify to amplify. One of the biggest places I see entrepreneurs getting themselves tripped up now, and it's completely understandable given the climate we're in, is taking on too much, trying to be too many places at once, rather than choosing one or two things to do so well, you're dangerous at them. And not only is it more fulfilling to operate this way, but in my personal experience, it is a thousand times more profitable. It's a thousand times more sane. And it gives you the bandwidth you need to have a long-term sustainable business rather than being like a one-hit wonder, getting hot for a minute, and then you can't sustain it, and then you're out of the game. Yes, yes. One of the quotes that we put in our Slack channel as we're like going through this together as a team that I want to hear kind of your thoughts and perspective on is you say clarity comes from engagement, not thought. And I feel like we've been taught the reverse of that. And so when my team read that, we were like, oh my gosh, mind blown, like all the emojis. Walk me through what you mean by that, because I think it's so powerful. So I'll tell it in the context of a quick story. So, you know, I had always dreamed of dancing, to be quite honest with you. Like, you know, when I was young, I would dance around the house. I was making up dances in my room, but again, had never had formal training or any dance classes. And so in my early 20s, you know, after I kind of left Wall Street, left the magazine world, when I was starting my coach training, I was doing all of this personal development work, which is all about excavating your real dreams. And one of the things I had to confront for myself was how passionate I was about music and dance and choreography. And I kept having this thought, Jenna, for years, like, could I be a Mm. dancer? Like, should I be? Nah. Like, I literally spent years mulling through this question until I think I was 24 or 25. Again, not the sharpest tool in the shed that I finally realized the way that I was going to know for sure whether or not I wanted to pursue dance in any professional capacity was to actually get my friggin' ass in a dance class. I went to, and of course me, I always aim high, right? So there's a place in New York City called Broadway Dance Center, BDC for short. And it's the place where many of the world's most, you know, kind of famous like Broadway dancers and people that go on music tour, like that's where professionals train. And I thought, well, if I'm going to experience this, I should actually, you know, go where the pros go so I can try this out. And I signed up for an absolute beginner jazz dance class. I was terrified, Jenna. I'm like almost a decade older than everyone else, right? I had the crappiest gear on. Most dancers are like the coolest people in the world. I am not when it comes to that stuff. And I showed up in this crappy little outfit. I was terrified, waiting for the class before me to end. And so it came time. I slinked into this dance class, not knowing anything. I was terrified, basically, that I was going to bump into people. I was going to be in their space. I was going to have two left feet. And then people would just laugh at me and like basically shoo me out of class and laugh at me for the rest of their lives. So I slinked into this class and went to the back and everyone just sat down. And I was like, okay, I guess we start by sitting. So we sat down. (laughs) Teacher walks into class. She does not smile. She does not say a word. There's no hello. She just goes over to the stereo, puts on music, and this bass beat filled the room. And 
instantly every single person started stretching in sync besides me, of course, because I didn't know what the hell was going on. (laughs) However, Jenna, the moment I started moving my body, I started weeping. I knew from the inside out that I was like, yes, why did I wait so long to actually do this. So the whole notion of clarity comes from engagement, not thought. For everyone listening, whatever you are considering, whether it's renovating your house, potentially hiring someone new for your team, experimenting with a new product or program, there's a myriad of ways that you can apply this. Clarity comes from engagement, not thought. Pick up the phone, run a test, do something, take a class, Anything that you can do to have a real world, like dip your toe in the water experience, you have to do it because the feedback that you'll get from yourself internally, not even taking into consideration the feedback from the outside world, how it feels to actually move forward with this idea, you will know instantly whether or not you want to keep going. Isn't it wild to think what would have happened if you would have like listened to those urges earlier? Yeah, but I wouldn't have had such a good story though. And maybe, (laughs) who knows? I could have like, you know, which I talk about in the book, like my huge bomb with my Missy Elliott audition where I ran out of the room like crying because I was such a spaz. You know, if I would have started earlier, maybe I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, I know Missy Elliott's song, Work It, Word for Word. It is like my party (laughs) jam. So like if we're ever at a party together, you just put that on and watch me do my thing. I am going to sit back and just basically clap for you, Jenna. And oh, by the way, so then you must, I'm going to say this for everyone listening. You've probably saw the nod to the work at Lyric. Oh, in the book. yes. Yeah. It's in there. Just like Ragu. It's in there, baby. Oh, I love this so much. We would have a really good time. Okay. So I want to ask one question first, and then I want you to help other people find this out. So what is your why? Like if you had to just sum it up, I want to know what is Marie Forleo's why? Yes. So my why in this world is honestly, I get so much of a charge, Jenna, seeing other people win. Like seeing other people go from having either something that they believe that they're unable to do or experience or accomplish or not believing in themselves and then watching them make that transition into a space of confidence and capability and winning on their terms. That's why I do what I do. I do what I do to improve the qualities of every single person's lives that I get a chance to be in touch with in any single way. But the deeper thing is because I believe so deeply in every human's innate strengths and gifts and talents and that they are here to make a difference in the world. And I want nothing more for them to activate it and put it out. So that's what I do what I do. Like I cannot tell you seeing other people win gets me high. Like it really <laughs> it really does. Like my team laughs at me, Jenna. You probably know this because like if anyone is familiar with me, like I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram or social media. I'm like the most awkward person in terms of like I don't like taking pictures of myself. I blink like Anytime I'm in a photo thing with anyone, they're like, can we take a picture? I'm like, can you take 10? Because seven of them, I will be blinking. I just, my focus is always on others. And I don't do that to self-deprecate or play humble, whatever. I just, that's where I feel like my deepest why is, is to help other people win. Mm, That is so good. I was going to say, hey, Marie, you should write a book. Oh, wait. (laughs) As you're saying that, it's like, dang, it's so good. So my question for you is this, and I feel like so many people teach about like, okay, find your why, know your why. And and sometimes Mm -hmm. when I hear that, even as like a driven, powerful, 
wonderful, successful person, I'm like, hmm, am I that succinct? Do I know my why? Is my why evolving and changing? Is it this one sentence or this elevator pitch? How do you help people like anyone listening right now? If they're listening, they're like, I wish I could answer that question that well. How do you help them do that? Oh, well, I think you actually hit the nail on the head in terms of your why can evolve and change. I am not a big fan, Jenna, of elevator pitches. So I'll tell you this, and I've shared this recently. You know, when people ask me what I do for a living, that answer always changes. I was with my director of operations. Her name is Tana. We were at a hotel in Santa Barbara. We were doing like a full day brainstorming meeting together because we have a good time. She's like a sister to me. And we get in the hotel shuttle, right? And we're like going to get tacos somewhere. And the guy that's running the hotel shuttle, he's like, hey, you ladies here on like a girl's weekend? And we're like, no, dude, we're like here doing business. He's like, oh, what company do you work for, man? And I was like, it's actually my company. He's like, oh, wow. He's like, you know, what's your company do? And so here's what I said. I said, do you want to have like the most amazing life possible where you love your work, you're making great money and you feel like you're making a difference at the same time? He's like, yes, that sounds amazing. I was like, well, that's what I do. I help people achieve just that. Jenna, I had never freaking said that before in my life. That was like a very in the moment response to bro boy, right? Like it was just (laughs) in that spirit or energy. And there's times when Josh, who is my beloved, we've been together for like 16 years, he's an actor. And so I often will accompany him to his industry events and invariably people like, oh, and it's very belittling. I will tell you this. So are you an actress as well? Are you an actor too? And you got to see my face. It's like Jersey (laughs) Mary comes out. I'm like, oh no, honey, I'm not an actor. Right. And it's just, and they're like, oh, so what do you do? And times I'll just say, you know, I run an education and media company because, and right or wrong, I'm just not interested. (laughs) I am not in that moment. I'm just a little bit of an introvert and I want to go have like my cheese and my cracker (laughs) and my little like glass of Cabernet and like be his wing woman and not necessarily get into it. So for anyone listening, you know, this might be the worst business advice ever. And people might be like, how can you call yourself a business coach and tell people this? But I think sometimes the canned response can feel so canned and forced that you lose the magic that is you. There's no flexibility in the moment to like meet the other human and to see what they're really asking you. And then, you know, you don't have to get forced into sometimes conversations. You're not honoring your own truth where you just kind of want to be a little bit chill for a moment. So I think that not having a clear one answer for your why, which was your original question, and also allowing yourself to let that evolve. You know, my why in the beginning, Jenna, was honestly, because I had failed at so many different careers and I was just searching for some place that I felt good that I could make a contribution and actually earn a living. Like that was it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I didn't know what I know now. I didn't have two decades of experience to understand what really likes me up. And honestly, the why for bartending, I didn't want to be the world's best barista. I needed to pay my bills yeah. and that was okay. That was okay. So I think that asking ourselves the question of why does this matter to us, that's very, very important. But having a perfectly structured answer, especially if that does not come naturally to you or it just doesn't come naturally to you in this moment, I want you to give yourself permission to relax and smile and know that it's okay. Because that little you know, cocktail line may come in a day or a week or a month or in years, or even if it doesn't, it hasn't stopped me yet. Ugh. 
You are so good. Okay, I'm going to ask you a selfish question now as we start to Mm -hmm. wrap up. I mean, you have worked on this book. And when I see powerful, brilliant women put books out, to me, it's like birthing a child. Like you have been growing and, and, you know, editing and going through and touching every page and every word and every line. And now it is days away from coming out into this world. What does it feel like? Oh my goodness. Well, for anyone, and you know this, this is a marathon, yeah. <laughs> right? So this idea started on the Oprah stage. It actually started well before the Oprah stage, but in terms of it being a book, I was like, you know, when Oprah asked me to do her super soul talk back in 2016, that was when I first kind of road tested it with real humans. You know yeah. what I mean? And then I sold the book in terms of a proposal and getting a publisher on board in 2017. So now we're in 2019. And just when I turned in the actual manuscript, oh my goodness, Jenna, I was basically like laying on the floor, like, <laughs> like kind of like crying and like giddy and like, where is my mac and cheese? Like I need a whole pizza and some ice cream, like just leave me alone. And now this part is really exciting for me. And I'll tell you why. Because I am so thrilled for people to get this little three-word phrase because it has been so utterly transformative in my life and beyond me. If you look at every major breakthrough in human history, from the fact that we humans can now fly, right? That we can go anywhere we want to in the world in a matter of hours. From the fact that women actually have the right to vote here in the US, that was not always the truth, to thinking about the Civil Rights Act. Like there's so many things that at one point were almost unimaginable. We just kind of crossed the 50th anniversary of people actually walking on the moon. Even though they didn't necessarily use this phrase, everything is figure outable, that is the spirit underneath every major breakthrough in human history. So I am very excited to get this in people's hands because I think that obviously I want people to achieve their biggest dreams and solve their most painful problems. But I think more so collectively, when we look around the world right now, economically, socially, environmentally, politically, you name it. We've got tons of challenges. And I know there are people listening right now that have ideas that can contribute to the solutions. And so I believe where the real power of this idea comes is when we use it collectively with each other and go, you know what? People say we can't figure X, Y, and Z out. Ah, I believe we can and we will. And so that makes me super duper pumped. I am so excited. I won when you reached out and you're like, can I send you my book? I was like, "Uh, yes, please. And send copies for the entire Jenna Kutcher squad so that we can have our own little book club. But two, what I, I think is so amazing about not just the book and the content and the stories, but the way that you wrote it, where I I feel like it was amazing looking at my team going through this. We're at different stages of our journeys, different areas of our careers, you know, different life stages going on. And and yeah. yet there was like these aha moments where it's like, holy cow, yes, 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 amen, yes. And I I just think that there hasn't been a book like this written for women yet. And now the world gets it because of you, because you stepped up to this task, which was no easy task. 
Thank you, my love. I so appreciate that. And and really, thank you for that feedback too, because as anyone knows, everyone listening right now, you are creators, you create things for a living. And everyone listening knows how hard it is (laughs) to bring any kind of idea that was once just an idea in the ether of your mind to get it into reality and to have it out in the world. So I really, really appreciate that. So where can everyone connect with you, get the book? I mean, you have so many resources online. You even have an extra free resource that I'm really excited excited to dig into. Give us all the info and places. Yeah. So you can get Everything is Figureoutable at your favorite bookseller. If you go to everythingisfigureoutable.com, we have links to all of them. I would invite anyone listening, if you happen to have a brick and mortar bookstore, near you to support them. I live both in New York City and Los Angeles, and I go as much as humanly possible to physical bookstores because I want them to stay alive. But obviously, if Amazon is your bookseller of choice, you can go there. It's available on Audible as an audiobook and also Apple Books. And I also want to tell this story really fast. So when I turned in the manuscript, there was one extra chapter at the end. And for anyone, again, who creates anything, you know, you're so excited about your creation. Well, I turned in the manuscript and two weeks later, I heard back from my editors and the publisher that they thought the last chapter just didn't make the cut. And Jenna, can I tell you, I am not one of those writers who just channels and like, you know, my fingertips are on the keyboard, like little (laughs) butterflies. And I'm just, you know, writing and it's so joyful and like rainbows are shooting out of my laptop. Like I bleed and cry for it. Right. So hearing that an entire chapter was kind of like, meh, we don't think it belongs in the book. At first I was crestfallen. Then I got super excited because I was like, oh my goodness, it's actually not good enough yet. It needs more rewrites. But this is way better if I can teach it using my voice and my face and you know all of the modalities that I'm used to teaching through Marie TV or through B-School or the Copy Cure or anything, right? I have multimedia modalities. And so we took this chapter, which dives into how to make this belief just to embed it into your heart, mind, and soul on a nervous system level, on a brain neurobiological level, and we turned it into a free course. So no one has to pay for it. There's no upsell. There's nothing like that. We call it the figureoutable formula. And once you learn the five steps, you can run through them in about 90 seconds or less. So any time in the future when you find yourself like stuck or overwhelmed, or just forgetting that everything is figureoutable, you run through this five-step formula, and I promise you, you will be back in action. So if you go to everythingisfigureoutable.com, you'll see details about that and how you can take the course for free. We're all going to do it together in October, and I'll be there to coach people. And again, there's, there's no hidden anything. It's just an extra chapter that never made it in. And I'm thankful that that happened because now I can teach it in a much more effective mm, way. Marie, I'm so excited for that. I am like up for the challenge challenge and ready for those steps. So thank you. Girl, it has been the best and it is better than I thought. And you lived up to the dream and I wish we could like take a selfie, even though you would be blinking in it. Just yes, I would be blinking. <laughs> <laughs> because I am just so grateful. You have just been a voice in, in my life and my business for so long. And now I'm just so excited for the world to get exposed to you in a brand new way. Everyone pick up your copy of Everything is Figureoutable. Maybe I should start a book club and we could start with your book. Oh, I would love that. And Jenna, just thank you for being who you are in the world and the difference that you're making to so many of us. You are a genius. I adore you. And I'm so, so thrilled that we're connected. Everything really is figureoutable. 
And if after today's episode, you don't believe that, then the only thing you need to do is go grab a copy of Marie's brand new book to really learn through every single page. Man, Marie did not disappoint. The way that she describes things is always so simple, but so mind blowing all at the same time. I love the way that she breaks things down and makes you feel like everything truly is figure outable. Because here's the thing, if you are out there chasing your dreams, if you are launching your dream business, if there is something that you are working towards, I will tell you this, there will be resistance, there will be roadblocks, and you are going to hit things that are going to feel like dead ends. But if you cling to the fact that everything is figure outable, I cannot wait to see the heights that you will undoubtedly soar to. Thank you, Gold Digger, for tuning in today. I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. Head on over to Instagram at Gold Digger Podcast at Jenna Kutcher. Let me know what you learned, your biggest takeaways, because I know that this episode was filled with points that are going to help us level up to that next level. Thank you for hitting play on another episode of the podcast today. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you Gold Digger you. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.